Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Philippians 4. Last week, we looked at verse 8. We're going verse by verse. We started in January. We looked at verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, we ask, what is your basis of truth? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. So he he either is or he isn't. Whatever things are noble, that is, highest and best, whatever things are just, inherently right, whatever things are pure, even in the essence of their motive, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything worthy of praise, meditate on these things. We took the word meditate. We went back to Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk under the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the word of the Lord. And in his word, he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Then we went to Joshua chapter 1. We saw how Moses had died, and Joshua was wanting to know, what do I do now? Leading these millions of people who didn't have a very good track record. And God said, I don't, don't fear, don't be dismayed. I will be with you. And wherever you go, No man will be able to stand before you. Nobody can overcome you or overrule you in this territory. Then God gave him his territory. What we said last week is you are only promised an anointing. You know what an anointing is? A supernatural advantage. You are only promised a supernatural advantage where you have been assigned. You don't have a supernatural advantage if you try to take over pastor of the church. I don't have a supernatural advantage if I go out and try to take over your business. You have a supernatural advantage where you have been assigned. The anointing is on the assignment. So we talked about getting off somebody else's ground, and taking the ground that God assigns us. We saw that God's instruction to Joshua, who had no clue how to do what he was assigned to do. You ever feel that way? No clue how to do what he was assigned to do. God's only instruction there in verse 8 was this. Do not let the word of God depart from your mouth. Meditate in it day and meditate in it 
day and night and be careful to do according to all that's written in it for then you will prosper and you will have good success the question i ask myself and the question i ask you is have we forgotten the discipline of meditation on the word of god we defined meditation last week let's redefine it to meditate on the word means to speak to yourself you have an outward voice that is in cooperation with your tongue and your vocal cords but you have an inward voice the mind of your inner man do you speak to yourself through your outer voice and your inner voice, the Word of God. God says that is the link to your prosperity and success. What has He assigned you to do? He says over and over again, the speaking of the Word of God to yourself is the link to that outcome. Am I involved in that? Are you? Pastor, it can't be that simple. Why would God say that's how you, that meditation is linked to success? I'm concerned about myself and I'm concerned about you that we live in such an age where it is becoming magnetic to look at the computer screen uh, on all the breaking news or on all the social networking instead of looking primarily and focusing on the Word of God as first and foremost. I'm concerned for me and I'm concerned for you that we have neglected the discipline of meditation on the Word of God. It gives us a standard of truth. It keeps us from being so easily deceived. I have thoughts and you have thoughts that are deceptive in nature that enter into our inner man. If we are not meditating on the Word, we don't have anything that is the litmus test of whether it's true or not. And you see, if I believe the wrong thing, I always get the wrong results. So, why is this so important? Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32, if you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, that means to stay there, to meditate in it. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you internally free. Well, I've got all these things that are baggage on the inside Take the Word of God and begin to meditate on it. Why is that, why is that so effective? Jesus said, John 6, 63. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. What does that mean? What does the Bible tell us God is? God is what? God is love. The Bible also says, remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees? God is spirit. Yes or no? He is, in essence, a spiritual being. Yes or no? Do you know that everything that is material and natural that is a blessing to you 
flows from a spiritual source. I don't even have my wallet on me. You, do you know that if you look on the inside of, you, of your purse or pocket and you've got any tangible resource there, that flowed from a spiritual source. That which you see came from an unseen source. Where'd you get that? God's Word says in the book of James, every good and perfect gift comes from where? From your customers? They're just vehicles. They're just warehouses. Where's the manufacturer? Where's the owner? Jesus said, the words, the very words that are spoken to you, captured in this book, they are spirit and they are life. So when you come to the Word of God and you meditate on that Word of God, you are connecting with that which gives you life, with that which supports you and sustains you and carries you. This is not just a daily Bible reading. This is a connection with life. Is the word that essential? You bet. If the word ever ceases to not be the essential thing in the life of a believer, if I were you, I'd get away from any group or any activity where the Word is not the center. Suit yourself, but I'd run from it. The Word! Why? Turn with me to the right, to Hebrews 4. Why is meditation on that Word? Well, what we've seen is it tells us the truth. What we've seen is it breaks the grip of deception. What we've seen is it will begin to set us internally free. What we've seen is it is a connection with the very life of God. Verse 12, chapter 4 of Hebrews, for the Word of God. Now what are we to meditate on? The Word of God. For the Word of God is living and powerful. The Word of God has life and power in it. Now watch. It is sharper than any human instrument, any two-edged sword. It can even get down on the inside and make a difference between soul and spirit. It can tell you in your spirit that what your mind and your emotions are feeling in your soul needs adjustment. It'll do surgery on the inside of you. When you meditate on that Word, it will bring about those things that will produce life and power. Notice it says it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, I told you earlier about the email I got from Wanda, which I'm grateful for, and I begin to meditate on the Word. When she said, you may be missing a sovereign opportunity, I got to thinking, well, God, you said in the Word that you know every bird that falls across the whole universe. 
And then the Word said to me in my inner man, every detail of your life is known and planned, and I am involved in every detail of your life. Why would you think that you're going to be denied something by another human being when you, every detail of your life is in my hands? The Word told me that. When I heard, and then, listen, this is not some fatalistic thing that, 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 look, some people call sovereignty, some people call fatalism sovereignty. They just become passive and they say, well, you know, whatever, whatever, we don't have anything to do with it. Listen, this is a partnership. Paul the Apostle said, we wanted to go and preach the gospel in a certain place, but Satan hindered us. Wow. Now God was able to take what Satan did and turn it out for good and to bring himself glory, but it doesn't mean that that little detail was exactly what God wanted because the apostle said, recorded in Scripture in the book of Acts, Satan hindered us. I got some good news for you though. God knows everything Satan's going to try to do to destroy you, and he is moving right now. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. But it's the Word. See what the Word does? It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. No creature, verse 13, is hidden from his sight. All things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So you know what the word also gives you the power to do? Not only know the truth, not only to succeed and prosper, not only to connect with life and power, it gives you power and victory over temptation. You say, well, pastor, I'm not tempted very much. You're dead and don't know it. You might as well go on down to the funeral home and tell them if somebody made a mistake, you need to put me down. You got this on, you're going to have temptation. What does the Word have to do with overcoming temptation? When Jesus was confronted face to face with the devil, Jump down off the pinnacle of the temple. Prove to everybody your Lord. Turn these stones into bread. Right? What did Jesus do? Did he say, oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. <laughs> no, that's what me and you do. <laughs> right, Tom? What did Jesus do? Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Man shall not live by bread alone. What was he doing? Speaking what? The Word of God. The Word of God is your primary source of victory in temptation. You know what I found in my own life? That a lot of my little prayers and a lot of my, oh Lord, don't let me do that, don't let me be tempted. That's no match for the devil. He'll just march right on. 
But if you start speaking the Word of God, that Word is full of life and power. The devil has not been and never will be any match for the spoken Word of God in faith. This is a discipline that is the absence of which is paralyzing the body of Christ. The Word. All right. Now very quickly, our next verse, verse 9. The things which you have learned and received and heard, Philippians 4, 9, and saw in me these do and the God of peace will be with you. What's Paul saying? Follow me. I'm, I'm, no, no. Paul said over and over again in the scriptures, I am the least of all the apostles. Paul has said over and over again, there is nothing good in my flesh. What he's saying to the Philippian believers is this. Those things that you saw in me while I was there, and I'm separated from you now, those things that you received and heard and saw in me, remember, in line with that which God has in invested in me, do those things. Can I ask you something? Where is your example? Do you have a living, do you have a representative of the Lord with skin on? Do you know what? That's what God is calling you to be. To somebody. It may be in your family. It may be in your circle of friends. It may be at your work. It may be in your business. God is calling us in this body right here to rise up and be the expression of the Lord with skin on wherever you are. Paul saying, follow this example. <clears throat> Do you know that church is not about going and participating with a whole bunch of other people and being a dot in the crowd? That's not what this walk is all about. It is about a serious, life-defining, life time journey of learning to be conformed and transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. It's called being a disciple. Well, this example, what, what, was, what is Paul trying to say here? Those things that you saw, you saw how I handled certain things in line with the Holy Spirit's direction in the Word of God. You saw how I handled certain things. Go back to that model. I look back on my own life, and I think about the absence my dad died when I was in my 20s. I look back uh, of the absence of so many opportunities where I needed a model and didn't have it. And I think about the struggles that I experienced because I didn't have 
model. And I am determined today that we will be come and we will raise up models. Do you know what a model is? It's not a replica. You know the difference? A replica is something that is exactly like what it replicates. God doesn't do any of those. He doesn't build any replicas. A model is a living, breathing, walking example of how to successfully apply the Word of God and have a walk with the Lord Jesus. A model also is an example of how to humble yourself and ask forgiveness. A model is that which you can see that helps you know how to succeed in this journey. Oh, God, make us models. Make us models. Models. Maybe you need to pray today, Lord, show me what I need to do to be a model to those who are looking at me on how to be a husband, how to be a dad, how to be a granddad, how to be a, a, a boss, how to be a, a, an elder, how to be whatever it is that you, where your assignment is. Show me what it is. I don't want to miss it. You know the good thing about God? You can start right where you are. Do you ever notice this about Jesus? He called people who were full of mistakes to show them the model. Isn't that a good? Jesus and Paul did the same thing, and we need to go to school on it. You invest in those God assigns you. Eventually, over time, over time, you will endorse those in whom you've invested who seem to be getting it. Doesn't mean they don't make mistakes or you don't. And eventually, you will send them, you will release them in places of leadership. Invest, endorse, send. And last, I want to share with you Mark chapter 3 as we close today in Mark 3, verse 13. One of the other Gospels lets us know that Jesus went up on the mountain and prayed all night. He was actively involved in doing mighty, miraculous things. And there are things that flow out of the heart of God by the hand of God that are mighty and miraculous. And we should always welcome what God desires to do in that realm. But we should never forget that our main calling is not to pursue signs and wonders. Our main calling is to pursue the Lord Jesus Christ and the, and the transformation of our life into His image. And in verse 13 he says, He went up on the mountain and he called to himself, watch, those he himself wanted. 
Now remember, when you read it in other contexts of other Gospels, there was a multitude of people. There were many, 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 many people. So he called many, many people to himself because he wanted them. And they came to him. And then, out of that group that he wanted, I believe it was 70. You can believe whatever you want to, and I believe it was 70, because in John's gospel, Jesus commissioned 70 to go out, and he gave them authority to do the things that he was doing. You know what I'm asking for? 70 who will believe and stand and have the Spirit of the Lord Jesus mightily in and on them. You don't want 7,000? No, I want 70. Now, notice out of the group he called up there, verse 14, then he appointed 12 that they might be with him. Why did he appoint them? Because he wanted to, that they would be with him. And that he would send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. You know what's happening here? Jesus had a big group that he wanted, but out of that big group, he appointed 12. Why? Because those are the ones he wanted. Were they perfect? Are you kidding? Far from it. Well, why were they in the group? Because he wanted them. You don't think Jesus knew about Peter's failings? Of course he did. He appointed them. You know what the word appoint means in the Greek, the first language in the New Testament? It means to make something into to somebody. Can I ask you something? Are you appointing anybody in your life? Are you endorsing somebody? Are you affirming them in such a way? Are you letting them know that you believe them in them? Notice what he did then. He wanted them with him, and then he transferred what he, the spirit of himself into their journey. You know anybody that you just want some of what he or she has? Oh, man, I would like some of that which I see in their inner man. I would like for that to be transferred into me. Well, are you investing any time with them? Are you investing prayer? Are you mutually partnering with them? You don't have a partnership if there's not mutual investment. So, here's the question. Who is it that you want to receive the spirit of what they have, and who is it do you want to deposit that which is in you that is desirable to them? Notice it requires the Lord's connection, the Lord calling, Notice it requires mutual investment. And notice it also requires a willingness to allow the spirit and the deposits of that man or woman 
to reside in them. And look, you can't just go out on the street and choose somebody quickly. You can't tell everything you know to somebody who has only been around you 30 days. That is a violation of Scripture. Don't lay hands on any man suddenly. That is to anoint and appoint. We're talking about discipleship and we're talking about the Word of God being invested and transferred. You do know that, don't you? You knew it, didn't you, Herman? The spiritual things can be transferred. There's a transference in the realm of the Spirit. And the Lord tells us not to associate with the ungodly. Bad company corrupts good morals. Well, I want to be salt and light. Well, you may not be ready for that yet. Listen to the assignment and direction of the Lord. Hang out where you'll be strengthened and where somebody will listen to your testimony so that your actions and activities and attitudes are in line with that which brings glory to God. Pastor, you don't ever go somewhere that's you shouldn't be. Not that I'm aware of, but I will tell you this. If y'all see me down at the fish market, if you see me down there and it's midday, I could be sitting at the bar. And let me tell you why. I ain't throwing down drinks. I'm watching ESPN. Hello. And I get waited on faster. I'm not going into the restaurant and stand in line to wait a long period of time. I will go to the bar with my iced tea and watch ESPN when I'm by myself every time. So, uh, no, listen, I get it. I know there are those who say, I saw Pastor Franklin, he's sitting at the bar. No, I'm telling you, that's the way it is. Y'all are laughing. I saw Pastor Frank, he was sitting at the bar. Well, I wonder how many he had. It was only noon. Could he walk to the car? You have no idea. I've been doing this a long time. You have no idea the imaginations and what people say. Lawrence, at some point, you've got to quit worrying about what some people think or say about you. You just got to obey the Lord and he know he knows the truth. And know that he knows it's okay that you like ESPN too. <laughs> Let's all stand. I want to thank you for your faithfulness. You know, years ago when the Lord gave me the name Covenant Heirs International, it sounded like a joke. 
Here are some places right now where the word that you hear recorded every Sunday is being listened to. California, Texas, Des Moines, Iowa, Auburn, Knoxville, Tennessee, Macon, Georgia, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Providence, Rhode Island, Amsterdam, Netherlands, Pennsylvania, San Francisco, Longview, Texas, Dallas, New Jersey, New York, Chile, Switzerland, Florida, Las Vegas, Phoenix, Los Angeles, Italy, you know that the Lord is giving you credit for the seeds of prayer and financial partnership that you make with his word going out to all these places did you know that never look around and think that all that's determined about the difference I'm making has to do with bricks and mortar that ain't got nothing to do with it some wonderful educators in here today. I, I used that language on purposes. All right, wonderful. I want you to know I pray for you every day. I pray the scriptures over you so I know the Lord hears me. If you need special prayer about anything, let me know. You have no idea how many times that so many of you sitting here, the Spirit of God lays you on my heart and mind. You don't ask me and I don't tell you, but I am prompted to pray. Come up here, Billy. I told you last week, Billy was in a vicious accident. I can't believe the pictures that I've seen of the truck. The top was totally crushed. The windshields were blown out. Blood was all over the hood as he was dragged out spurt it out there is no other explanation looking at all the pictures of what happened to you that he is standing here whole today but the intervention of our Lord body of Christ loves you Billy Billy came to see me one day incredibly troubled the Lord had opened his heart we led him to the knowledge of Jesus right here in our offices baptized him not long afterwards over at the Black's Pool he's had some journeys and pretty rough spots so have all of us Well, we praise the Lord for delivering you, Billy. Diligently seek all these deliverances that he's brought you through, what the mind of the Lord is. And he is. He came to see me this week. Pray for him. 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Say this with me. Mighty God, I praise you today. You are my King. You are my God. I desire today to meditate on your word day and night at a deeper level. I believe your word will tell me the truth and set me free, will impart life and victory and success in my life. I submit myself to your mighty word and I believe today that you will correct me, that you will heal me, that you will defend me, that you will preserve me by your power. Tell me the truth by your word. I will believe it, stand on it, and be a carrier of it. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, see you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.